Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Yes, yes, and welcome to the first edition of the fifth and last podcast. My name is Lewis, and I'll be joined every week by my partner, Brock. Say hello, Brock. Hey, guys. We are going to be talking to you about nothing but anything to do with the NRL and all things rugby league. What we're looking to bring uh, in this podcast is pretty straightforward. Looking to bring a humorous aspect of the football, but also at the same time, uh, analytical about all the teams. Preview some of the games that are upcoming. Review the games that have been played after and uh, all things news-wise that will be reported, whether it be contracts and controversies or just anything that's going in the game of rugby league. So to start off with the first podcast, I think is a bit of an icebreaker. Obviously, I'm Lewis. I'm going to be hosting this show, and along with Brock. Uh, we're both very, very big rugby league fans. I'm a Melbourne Storm supporter, and Brock's a Gold Coast Titans supporter. So just get that one straight off the bat. And kicking things off, I think we're probably going to tackle... The big issue that's obviously popped up in the last week, which is obviously the big scandal with all the drugs supposedly going on in rugby league and all Australian sports. So I'd like to jump into this with Brock first of all and just get his opinion on it. Oh, look, I've got the opinion that until uh, some players are named, obviously it's it's hard to sort of have an opinion. So um, I guess we'll sort of cover that in later podcasts when hopefully players are named, um, punishments are laid out, and then we can sort of get a better idea of what's going on, but it doesn't It doesn't look uh, very positive at the moment. I guess uh, the rumours you hear around aren't very positive when it becomes uh, when it comes to rugby league. So, um, But we'll just wait and see, wait and see you know, how it plays out. Yeah, well, on that note, the only thing that has come out so far that is rock solid is a reserve grad up for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. North Sydney Bears winger Curtis Johnston has been stood down. Uh, supposedly he hasn't actually tested positive though, so I'm not too sure what the case is there, but obviously there's something internal going on there and they'll be investigating that, but uh, for the time being he has been stood down but uh, a quote during the week that struck me was Craig Bellamy pretty much saying exactly what I'd like to put on the matter and that was that at the moment everyone in rugby league has been tarred with the same feathers and until names get named obviously, and the sooner the better that's the big thing I think at the moment, a lot of people are you know, expecting the start of this season and really looking forward to their football and all they've heard so far is supposedly there's drug cheats and that six clubs have been investigated, but we've got absolutely no information. So moving away from that, I think uh, that's that's something that'll be left to a later date, as you've said, Brock, and moving on to something more positive, the first game of football for the year on the weekend, the NRL All-Stars versus the Indigenous All-Stars. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to kind of get over the concept. I think it's becoming quite annoying every year that 
you vote and the public votes and that's supposed to be the whole point of the game, getting to pick players from each club that you you really want to see play together in one team. And I know the clubs and the players come forward and say they've got injuries. Like Paul Gallen supposedly had a, a staph infection in his elbow and a quad strain and what Mao pulled out with a hip injury. We obviously saw Slater and Cronk ankle injuries. Um, I'm, I'm just starting to think at the same time they may have a legitimate excuse, but it gets a bit uh, a bit out of hand that when the month before the game, seven or eight players that you voted for have pulled out. So uh, I'm kind of getting over the concept myself, but at the same time, I'm always happy for a bit of an exhibition game and big raps to the Indigenous All-Stars in my books. I thought they played uh, pretty well. Obviously showing some continuity from having a lot of players re-picked and it looked pretty obvious that how scrappy the All-Stars were with all the players that were dragged in. So I'm not too sure what you thought about the game, Brock, or what you think about the concept, but um, yeah. Look, before I put a negative spin on it, I, I was looking forward to seeing Cronk, Smith, Slater, Marshall play against Inglis, uh, Thurston and the like. Um, but look, it didn't come to fruition. So I guess um, the game was still, you know, exciting and, and it, was a, it was a decent level of footy, I guess. But um, I, I was just disappointed. And I, I have been over the last couple of years in that, you know, players withdraw. And I'm going to I'm gonna point the finger at Melbourne here. They... Cronk and um, Slater both played in the trial on the same night. So, um, I don't know, it just seems to be a little bit Mickey Mouse at the moment. So I think I like the concept, I like the game, I like what it brings, I like I can understand what it does for the community um, and all that sort of stuff. But um, for me, it's probably played at the wrong time. I'm not sure what the right time is, maybe um, at the end of the year. or um, But, I mean, with so much international footy, I guess it probably is the only... Um, the only gate there or the only open vacancy in the rugby league calendar f- to be able to fit it. So um, I guess it'll, it's probably here to stay in that time slot. Um, while it is, I guess we've just got to get better rules in and around uh, the process so fans aren't disappointed in um, the players that are, that are playing. So that was the only thing for me. Otherwise, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. The, uh, the Indigenous All-Stars were by far the better team. Um, played really well on the night. Uh, they moved the ball well, controlled the ball. I thought Thurston was unbelievable uh, for the first game of the year. Um, he probably hasn't done much pre-season training. Um, and to produce what he did um, was, was pretty incredible. I thought he was a difference in the game. Um, and just the fact that the NRL stars couldn't hold onto the ball. So, uh, But all in all, yeah, they got a good crowd there. And it, it's always a good um, good show with, the uh, obviously, the Indigenous culture and all that sort of stuff on, on show. Um, so yeah, I guess there's more positives that come out of it than negatives, but I am, as you say, a little bit over the, um, you know, the players withdrawing and, um, uh, you know, the fans probably are disappointed with with that aspect of it. Well, I think I can definitely agree with you there, and probably moving on to the more positive aspect. I think if you were going to pick three players in that game that really stood out for mine, for me, obviously Jonathan Thurston, number one, and if I'm the Penrith Panthers right now, after the other night, I'm really starting to throw the checkbook and put all my weight behind that to make sure that he ends up down here for the back end of his career to help build a great team down here in Penrith. But on the back of that, I'd probably have to say Greg Bird, for me, was probably close to man of the match from his performance. Lots of great running, good line running. I think there was a couple offloads and line breaks there, so he looked pretty positive. Looks like he's pretty happy about taking on that captaincy role for the Titans and hopefully I just, that shows I just hope that when he comes back to the Titans <laughs> he can bring some of that form with him it just seems like every time he pulls on a rep jersey or 
um, plays in a, a, a big game. He just has a barnstormer, and then he, he comes back to the Titans. And I'm not saying he doesn't put in for the Titans, but at times he probably lacks impact. Um, I don't know whether Prince moving out um, with the halves there will, will help him out. But, um, yeah, I, I was I was really encouraged by what I saw from him, and, and not only him, but uh, I guess Ryan James as well. I thought he was very good. I am definitely agree with you on the Ryan James factor. Always love seeing a, a front row have a red-hot go. And just a, one special mention I think I'd like to make, I wasn't per se a hater last year when Willie Mason came back, but I thought it was going to be a temporary sideshow, but I thought he was pretty good the other night. Yeah, he was. He was. I, I was surprised that um, Bennett started with him. Um, I thought that was a bit of a slap in the face to the guys that were named to, named to start, but I think he moved Mateo to the bench. Um, which yeah, is something for that an impact role. Yeah, yeah, Ivan Cleary probably found that fairly effective when the Warriors had their um, good run in 2011. So um, I can't really knock him there. But, you know, Willie really did good, um, played well. So it'll be interesting to see um, what sort of role he plays at the Knights this year, um, having a full pre-season and then um, obviously starting off the year afresh with Newcastle. Mm. And a hint right there. Greg Inglis is hit on Fletty Mateo, by the way, which probably seen him going a bit quiet. Shoulder charge or no shoulder charge? Shoulder charge. Definitely 100%, shoulder charge. 100%. I don't think there was a wrapping action? No. <laughs> no wrapping action? Oh, there probably was. I get. I, it's hard. You, until we sort of see a couple of rounds of footy, you're not really going to know what is a shoulder charge, what isn't, in terms of how the referees are going to... Um, what sort of indicators they've got into terms of how they're going to penalise and, and what constitutes a shoulder charge, so... Um, it'll be interesting. Um, there was another one that Georgie Rose pulled off that did get penalised. So I guess there was some inconsistency already um, in terms of how they're going to interpret it and penalise it. So, um, yeah, well, well, I guess we'll just have to see. The proof will be in the pudding. I'm a big fan of the shoulder charge. I know there's you know problems and health issues such as the concussion and players long-term having issues. But for me, the other night is probably a better example of the use of it, you know, I, I, I definitely think that Greg Lewis's one was a shoulder charge and it had the correct technique and the correct use and George Rose's one I had nothing wrong with as well and I, I know it's been outlawed but to be honest, looking at last year's uh, highlights ad for the whole campaign, it's pretty much full of shoulder charges and big collisions so I don't know how long it's going to last, I, I, I really think it should be brought back but I suppose we'll see during this year the impact it has on the game I think the NRL's gone off early if they waited another year or two I think the coaches were weeding the shoulder charge out of the game It's majority of the time um, it's ineffective in terms of wrapping the ball up making a tackle um, it looks spectacular and obviously yeah, it does um, make up a lot of the highlight reels I guess but um, I think they've gone off early, they've gone off a season or two early, they could have waited um, I think you know, it would have just been weeded out of the game eventually by the coaches for that reason. Um, offloads are such a key thing in football now. And, um, you know, if you're popping shoulder charges off all the time and, and you see those sort of players that do it, um, they either get busted shoulders or um, they get the hook from their coach. So, um, yeah, I, I'm disappointed it's been, been outlawed. I do like seeing it every now and then. Jared Brewer Hargreaves is one that <laughs> springs to mind. He's uh, pretty exciting to watch when he when he's in trying to rip into blokes. So, um, and Craig Inglis, I thought he had every right to come in and, and, and whack. I'm not sure who it was that he whacked. It's Fleming Mateo. Mateo. And, yeah. and he heard him. Um, so, but I guess next time or, or when he gets back to South Sydney, Michael McGraw will be saying to him, "I don't mind the intent, but wrap your arms so we, we don't get penalised." Because it, it can go from that situation where he's he's forced an error. Um, 
to them having the ball rather than um, getting penalised for a shoulder charge. So I do think it's going to have an impact on a lot of games this season for sure. Mm, definitely agree with you there. Well, moving on from that, like I said, we're not really going to touch too much on the drugs issue until we have a bit more information. There's uh, already been some little whispers and inklings that a few clubs are being investigated and that uh, a couple that have already been cleared. So I'm not 100% sure on those details, but once we find that out, hopefully by next week's cast, we'll bring that to you. And moving on from the All-Stars game, what we're going to do over the next four weeks of the pre-season, how this is going to work, is we are going to go through all 16 teams. Me and Brock are going to build our own ladder for the year, where we think teams will finish and why. And we're going to do it four teams at a time and break that up over the four weeks so we can have a half-decent discussion about each team and players that are in and out and what our thoughts are and where they're going to finish this year. So for today, we're going to go in alphabetical order for the whole 16, which brings up the Brisbane Broncos, the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Canberra Raiders and the Cronulla Sharks. So the first team we're going to be looking at heading into season 2013 is obviously the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos finished up eighth place last year and were obviously eliminated week one when they went up to visit North Queensland at Dairy Farmer Stadium. And Brock, how do you see the Broncos going this year? Um, they've lost another senior player in, I guess, Big Petro um, on the back of obviously losing Darren Lockyer the year before. Um, they've also lost... They lost Dan Gagai, who I think um, is going to be an excellent player in the future. They lost him halfway through last year. They lost Jared Beal, who I thought they put a lot of time into, um, was sort of starting, sort of starting to hit his straps. Um, they lost him, obviously, to the Dragons. Ben Teo, um, who I rate probably as one of their better forwards. Um, he's gone to the Rabbitohs. Um, the additions, um, obviously, the, the biggest one is Scott Prince, um, I just see Brisbane being a side that is probably one half away from being an elite team again. Um, obviously, they haven't been elite in my books uh, since Darren Lockyer left. So I guess the, the Scott Prince experiment, gamble, whatever you want to call it, I think that's going to probably end up determining their season. Um, being obviously a Titans fan, I, Scott Prince can be rocks or diamonds. Um, obviously, injury has probably plagued him throughout his career. Um, I think if he can stay on the field, their forwards go forward. Um, I think he has to play seven. I don't think he can play six. Um, just technically, um, if we're going to get into the technical side of rugby league, I just think he has to be um, in the middle of the field because obviously he doesn't run the ball very often. So I think Wallace has to be on the outside as a running threat um, to hold up those inside defenders. Um, if Prince is playing at six, second receiver, I, I don't think teams are going to have... Um, too much problem defending Brisbane because they know, you know, 99% of the time Prince isn't going to run the ball, um, so they just um, sort of cover his, his runners and um, it's a little bit easier to defend. Um, so that, that's me on Brisbane. I, you know, great coach, great club, great tradition. So you can't knock that. That's got to obviously stand for something. Um, David Stack, David Stag has gone back up to Brisbane. Uh, fairly young roster, strong roster. So. Um, I've got them finishing 10th, but um, if the Scott Prince uh, gamble, I guess, goes to plan, he stays on the field, plays uh, near his best football, they could be top four easily. 
Um, it's just, you know, I guess you've got to put them somewhere, so I'll, I'll put them at 10th. Yeah, I kind of look at it the same way, but at the same time, with some of the losses, I look at Petro last year, and no offence to the big man, he was an absolutely outstanding front row, probably, you know, top three in my eyes to ever have played the game in that position. His record speak for itself with his uh, record origin appearances for a forward, and I think he was only one game short of being the most ever capped kangaroo forward, but... I think you'd agree with me last year that he definitely lost a step and he looked like it was time to finish up. Yeah, I, th- I think he was brought there more just for um, the leadership yeah, to go home yeah. for, for a year and um, mentor those young forwards, I guess. I think um, the proof will be in the pudding with that this year if those young forwards can step up mm. um, and, and um, obviously fill in his vacancy, I guess. Yeah, well, that's the other thing that kind of gets me. I know Bill, I see, you know, he was a promising back, but I don't think he ever really found a position in that side, and I think they're pretty happy with what they've got up and coming. Same as Dane Gago, I know he was probably going to be a, a long-term centre, a really good player, but they're obviously pretty happy with players like Copley, who's been playing some first grade. Uh, Yarrow Yowie, someone that a lot of people have forgot about, and God knows what's going to happen coming off multiple ankle surgeries, and if he's ever going to get back close to what he was beforehand. But I tell you, if he comes back anywhere near um, what he was, um, he's going to be... He- you know, he's going to be big for them coming in. Um, no one's really, really accounted for him. Um, I guess Josh Hoffman was injured for a lot of last year. Mm. Justin Hodges had his injury concerns. Um, so I guess if they can stay healthy, um, they're going to be massive players in this competition. Exactly. Um, my opinion's pretty much the same as yours. I look at my head and I think Corey Parker, Sam Thiday, uh, I think, like I said, Petro going at the right time with a young bloke by the name of Josh Maguire, who I think is going to be an outstanding front row and probably an origin player for the future. A, a different build of front row. You love, you love Josh Maguire. I do love do. Josh Maguire. Love it, uh, to me, that is the new breed of front row. He's not a 40-minute front row. He can stay on the field for longer periods of time. And uh, on top of that, he's... Ultimately aggressive, he gets on the ground. He... I've got to say, I'm, I'm warming to it. I'm, I'm warming to it. I am warming to it as well, but then I still sit there and in my back of my mind, I see the same thing happening again. I see too many young players. I see a big origin drain. Uh, Injury is always going to be a factor, and obviously I, the halves situation. I still am not a big believer in Peter Wallace. I know he played origin, but at the same time, he's a bit hot and cold. Corey Norman, Ben Hunt. Uh, Corey Norman probably showed himself to be a good ball runner last year, but not so much a half, not very uh, organised in that sense. And Ben Hunt hasn't exactly kicked on to the standard that Brisbane were hoping after he was, you know, the inaugural Toyota Cup Player of the Year and supposedly the next big thing in waiting in their halves. So I think Scott Prince can be a temporary band-aid, but, uh, you know, at his age right now, I don't think it's it's not a long-term solution. And the two halves in weight uh, at the moment, n- neither has proved themselves to be a long-term solution either. Uh, I mean, if they can if they can find a half um, fullback combination fairly quickly, um, it's going to be a lot easier for them to, you know, strike up combinations. Therefore, strike up some wins. If it takes them, you know, till the middle of the season, Origin period, um, until they do find that continuity, cohesion, it's it's going to set them back. Um, and it could be the difference between them making the eight and not making the eight. Yeah, well, I see, I see your point there, definitely. But at the same time, like I said, every time I run the names down on a piece of paper, super happy with that. But straight away, I just come back to it. Justin Hodges is, you know, 31 years old now, I think, and injury played. Scott Prince is well past his prime days. I still think he can have a great impact, but 
uh, older player again with injury problems. Matt Gillette got a Kangaroos jersey last year, then absolutely fell off the planet. Uh, Sam Thiday's coming off off-season surgery. hasn't been in any of the trials. Second year, second year syndrome. There's more. I don't. I don't know what it is. There's no proof. It's just like this thing that just strikes down um, good players, breakout players. Sean Johnson's another one. Just struck by lightning. I, I, I don't know. Well, I actually think that was Gillette's third season. To be honest, it was his third. I'm pretty sure. But at the same time. Yeah. I don't know how you can start the way he did the well, first yeah, first five sorry, rounds. Second was, full season, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah. But the so. second, you know, those first couple of rounds, he was throwing himself at everything. You look at the intent he had, trying to whack people off the kickoff, even when he was getting knocked down, he was getting straight back into it. He was. Just shows you the, yeah. the sort of impact that 26 rounds has on the body and origin um, pre seasons. I mean, these guys are, are working their bodies and um, to the limit. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of it. Um, young guy, um, body still developing, I guess, getting used to the rigors in the NRL. So, well, breaking it down, final thoughts on the Brisbane Broncos. Yours are tenth place, obviously. Yeah, I've got them at tenth. Um, obviously, their odds to win the premiership they're fifteen dollars. Top four, they're at four. Uh, top eight, dollar eighty five. So, um, I, I think the the four dollars to make the top four is juicy. Um, but I, you know, I won't be back in it. Yeah, well, I think a lot of things have to go right for them to be in the top four this year. That's for sure. I still think there's a couple of sides that are a lot better equipped to take on this campaign than what the Brisbane Broncos are. And uh, much like Brock, I've looked at my ladder here, and they're the first team I've put down. And I've also got the Brisbane Broncos at tenth. I definitely don't see them dwelling towards the bottom, and I've obviously in my head can see them being a top four side, but a lot of things have to fall into place as far as I'm concerned for the Brisbane Broncos. To... Great coach too. No, Anthony I have big coach on Griffin, no doubt. But yeah, I, I just see there's too much I think that has to go right for them to end up in the top four this year. So uh, the Brisbane Broncos on both our tables have been in 10th place. So that's the first team we've gone through. Next one up off the cap will be the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Jumping straight back on board, as we said, alphabetical order is the way we're going to tackle the going through the teams and what we think are their hopes for this year, the 2013 campaign. Next cab off the rank is obviously the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, last year's minor premiers who eventually fell short to the Melbourne Storm in the grand final, going down 14-4. Uh, I don't think anyone really expected it last year. Obviously, it was the same old case, probably is what Melbourne had in 06 when they let go of Matt Orford and Cooper Cronk was brought in and Matt Johns said that he was going to be the Dallium half of the year and I think Gus Gould famously tipped him to get the wooden spoon and they ended up being the minor premiers. Um, a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon last year saying that it was too different a side for Des Hasler and that they were probably going to finish somewhere outside the eight and he was going to have to do a lot of work to get him up to where he wanted. But uh, he certainly proved them wrong and I think he proved massively that he's Definitely up there with Craig Bellamy. I think that they have to be the best two coaches in the game with the way he changed his game plan and approached it, the Bulldogs. Yeah, Des Hasler. Wow. What he did last year with that side. Very impressive. Um, I've I got a question. I mean, is it Des Hasler or is it the players that he's, he's got? I, um, looking at their roster, um, their roster's improved. I mean, they've lost some depth um, in Stag, Goodwin. Um, Jake Foster, Jonathan Wright. I mean, there's nothing to really go crying about. Mm. Um, and they've got Tony Williams in, who 
Des Hasler got the best out of him at Manly. Um, he was the one that poached him from Parramatta, um, had big raps on him, you know, used him really well um, at Manly. Uh, at, so. at the same time, you, I don't think you can really question the losses that they've let out to be a big thing. Their New South Wales Cup side still obviously fairly stacked. You've got Tim Laffey coming back from injury who can play wing or centre. You've got Steve Turner who's going to be back on a sting as well, so that helps out. Martin Tapau who obviously played some bench front row. I like him. Yeah, he's well, angry. Exactly. He's, he's good. He's young. He, he... Corey, Corey Payne retires, but then they have David Clemmer, the NYC Player of the Year, another young front rower to go along with the already outstanding pack they possess with Sam Casiano, the big fridge, obviously, or fridge on legs. You've got Pritchard on one side, T-Rex on the other side, the blighter James Graham, he will eventually be back after his 10-week suspension, and the ever-working Aiden Tolman. So I, I think there's still plenty of depth there, and their side's fairly stacked, and on top of that, the revival of Chris Ninu is going to be on one edge. Sam Perrett, and then on the other side of the field, you obviously got Josh Morris, who's either going to have Steve Turner or Tim Laffey and Ben Barber snooping around. So I think the, the biggest question you can ask about the Bulldogs, looking at them on paper, they're outstanding, is the halves. And I think that's what cost them the grand final last year. I think Ennis as well. I, Ennis, I think he's on uh, the downward run or downhill run in his career. Um mm. You know whether he can sort of uphold his form from last year, uh, maybe even improve it. I, I don't know. I've, I've got my questions. Um, I think it's more he's a bit one-dimensional. I think for Michael Linus. I think compared to your Smiths and your Farrers, those two I look at, and there's a lot more strings to their bow with the way they play the nine position. I think Michael Linus is pretty one-dimensional. Like he, he's definitely a grinder. He gets through his work and he has good service, but I, I don't see too much more there than somebody who's making some tackles and dishing the ball out of nine. I don't think he offers a whole lot compared to probably the two best hookers in the game, being Farron Smith. Is Chris Keating a premiership-winning halfback? Definitely not. I think Hodkinson people have got questions over, but I think everybody forgets straight away, why did Hodkinson leave Manly? Well, he debuted in round five, and within a couple of games he was playing City Country under Des Hasler, and he played really well. Uh, but Des Hasler punted him. So. He did let him go, but that was obviously for a price tag, and little did many people know that Daly Cherry Evans was sitting there waiting in the wings, and the only reason a lot of people think he didn't get a run first is they sent out the Q Cup saying that he was too skinny and needed some time against men, and he certainly proved that wrong. Mm. So at the same time, I, I don't... Barber, definitely mm. a medal winner, three tries in the All-Star game, looked outstanding. Um, he's a freak, absolute freak, so you can almost chalk up one try a week to Barber. Mm. Um, it's a 6-0 start every week when you're playing Canterbury, or you're 6-0 down if you're playing them. Um, he's tremendous. Forward pack is tremendous. Um, James Graham, Aidan Tolman, um, with Cassiano off the bench. Uh, their back row is fairly solid. I mean, you've got Pritchard. Now you've got Tony Williams. Um, you know, whether Josh Reynolds... Is Josh Reynolds going to stay at 6? Is he going to move to 13? Is he... You know, where's that heading? Um, he he has Eastwood. to stay at six. He, he has stays to. fit. Greg he, Eastwood was outstanding at the back, back end of the, of the last season. Year. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So, I mean, if he can stay fit for the whole year, I thought Dean Hallatow is there. Um, Spackville, he just fits in wherever he needs to. Um, they've got a lot of options, and if guys go down, they've got a lot of cover. Um, that's what I like about them. Um, they've got a lot of Kiwis too. So that during Origin. They don't miss a lot of players. They've got a lot of international players. So mm, um, that, not a lot of guys go out. Their spine stays intact, apart from Barber. 
Um, I think he, he's going to get picked on the Queensland bench this year, so they're going to miss him for three games where they would have had him last year. Mm. Um, that may have an effect. Um, otherwise, it's you know, it's only really Josh Morris um, that's going to go out for Origin. Um, obviously, if he's in good enough form, and the way that New South Wales selectors are, who knows who will be picked? Exactly, and I think the same for Aiden Tolman. As far as I'm concerned, he should have been. Oh, I would have had him last getting year. himself a look in for the Origin Arena. He's the the ultimate worker and the ultimate grinder. And in a game like that, I think you need a prop who's just willing to keep burning, keep putting out the minutes, and trying to eat up meters. And I mean, if you put him next to Ben Hannett, who would you pick? I'd be taking Aiden Tolman every ben, day of the week. Ben Hannett is consistently in a in the Queensland side, so I mean exactly. Makes us look a bit stupid, but anyway, that's an argument for later in the season, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And on top of that, there's another player that's just slipped into my head. There was a winger centre last year in the under-20s by the name of Johnny Siler, and I dead set thought how tight his jersey was one day, and when he got tackled, it crinkled up. I thought it was an eight. You're talking about a bloke who was playing on the sting, dead set against children, they look like. And he's 110 kilos on the wing. Uh, he was in the team of the year. He played some games in the New South Wales Cup. And in there, he still looked like a front row. So there's another one I've left out of the backline depth. So I don't really see too many problems for them. And on top of that, uh, not mentioning in that depth is Josh Jackson probably gets pushed out of that starting lineup. You're talking about a 22-year-old oh, bloke who's going to get awesome. pushed out. And you've got Dale Finucane, so... You want to talk about having depth and some of the best young players on standby. I think he's one of the most underrated back rowers in the game, Josh Jackson. I thought last year he was super impressive. First year in, you know, if I could have my pick of any young back rower, um, he'd be the first I'd take. I I thought he was really good. His um, defensive game is strong. Um, He doesn't get found out. He's got an offload. He's got feet, um, runs good lines. Very impressive. Being a Titans fan, you're a bit of a back row collector. He's off contract this year. Do you think they could make room for another back row? I'd love to see him up there, but we don't need any more. So. You definitely don't need any more. I think Dave Taylor's going to play centre for you guys anyway, so yeah. it's all good. You don't have too many back rows. We're on the seven. <laughs> uh, well, uh, in a prediction there, what, where do you see the Bulldogs finishing up for this I've year? Got them, I've got them at one. I think they'll land at one, basically for the reason that I outlined earlier, that they've got a lot of international players, so I think that'll put them in good stead during Origin. Um, whereas, you know, your Storm, your Cowboys um, will have a lot of their key guys away on origin duty. They'll probably slip up in those um, in those times. I know they'll have buys and, and things like that, but origin always plays a, plays a part um, in those team seasons, and they, they always seem to take three or four weeks to come good again. Um, I've got them finishing in minor premiers. I, you know, I got found out against Melbourne last year. Um, they, they didn't have enough points in them and they had a lot of ball against Melbourne in the grand final. I thought they were very lucky in the preliminary final that Adam Reynolds got injured. I thought that the, the Rabbitohs were coming good in that game. Um, before that, who did they bomb in the... They played, oh, they, they manly. played manly. They, they, they And they even there, they, they sort of scraped away with the win um, against a tough manly side, obviously. So, um, you know, a, a full pre-season under Hasler, I think they're going to improve. Tony Williams comes in. Um, I've got them. If, if everyone stays fit, I've got them winning the comp. Um, I think a dollar seventy about them um, to make the top four is ridiculous odds. A dollar seventy, I'd be backing my truck up for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
to win the comp seven dollars, I think even that's good value. Melbourne's five fifty. Um, to make the top eight, dollar twenty two, no real value there. But um, yeah, I've, I've got them finishing first, minor premiers. Whether they win the competition or not, that's probably an argument for twenty six weeks time. We can we can talk about that. Um, obviously, you know the teams we were predicting this time last year. Um, you know, would have been the Tigers, um, and, and look where they finished. So, um, he is a long time in footy, and um, we'll just see how they go. But on paper, before a ball's kicked, they obviously look uh, one of the better sides. By the same token, I know the Tigers last year were given the favourites tag, but from a point of view of well, Newcastle was the other one. Yeah, well, the Newcastle they, they both finished outside the, the eight. So. That, that's purely the Bennett factor there with the bookies, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They, they never had the side on paper to win the competition their first year. And as far as the Tigers are concerned, there was no way I don't think you could have given them the Premiership favourites tag with the inconsistency of Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrow working as a pair. I think Farrow obviously showed his steel and his level of class last year in the origin period before the, the tragedy of his mother passing away and not having a big part to play in the second half of their season. But You know what, I think a lot of the Tigers being made favourites last year was their run in the final series in 2011. They they bombed they a grand should have been in the grand they final. Bombed a they should have been they, in the grand final. They led by, I think, 10 over the Warriors with 10 minutes to go and and just, you know, couldn't tighten their game up. And so I you think, th- a you lot think of they people, would have went on to beat Melbourne as well? Um, yeah, I, yeah, well, the Warriors traditionally have success against Melbourne. They match up well against Melbourne. They give Melbourne problems. Um, the Tigers have the had Tigers that Tigers are looser. Well. Um, whereas I think Melbourne probably would have grinded them out of that game, kick, chase, wait for errors. Um, mind you, if the Tigers have a hot day, they can beat anyone. So, I, I mean, it's all hearsay, but I, I'd probably would have said that Melbourne would have won that game. Yeah, well, for me, the, the favourites tag, similar to what you said, I think the year before they bombed the Warriors game, whether they would have beat Melbourne or not, yet to be seen. But at the same time, being a Melbourne supporter, I can only think of two or three teams that have ever given us consistent trouble. One being the Canberra Raiders. I don't know what the go is there. I never thought... Similar to Warriors. Similar side. Yeah, big, big side, offloads, not letting us get the wrestle. The Warriors and also the Tigers. The Tigers have taken us apart a few times and exposed us on the edges because we obviously like to play uh, an up-and-in defence and like to jam our opposition. And especially when uh, good old Anthony Quinn was there a few times, he got found out against them and Newcastle took us apart one day, I remember, going out in his edge. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of their favouritism was built from... The finals run last year, and then the year before that, they obviously bombed out in that game against the Dragons, where they clearly... I think they did have a couple of decisions go against them, but they should have been in the grand final two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Going back to the topic we got a bit off there, which is obviously the Bulldogs. I'm also number one, so we're two from two so far, as far as our ladders are concerned. Uh, I don't think you can have such a good forward pack with, you know, not just a solid forward pack, such an impact forward pack you've got a massive meter eater and an offloading machine in Sam Casiano. You've got Pritchard on one side, T-Rex on the other side. Both got try-scoring ability, hit holes. Hey, that was Corey Payne. Corey Payne. Corey Payne, great bloke, smart bloke, but I think it's uh, not not really a big loss to have 20 minutes. I think Greg Eastwood fits in fine there. Hey. Finucane, Jackson, there's plenty of depth there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just say it's too much there. I think uh, Inu's going to keep playing. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, under Des Hasler, he's just—he's a guy I cannot work out. I, I, I work can't work him out, out, but either. But obviously, there's something that he's Des Hasler's done for him. But Josh Morris, Ben Barber, Sam Parrott. There's just too many names. I can't keep going through it. Um, I've got the same question mark as you, the halves. But I think if Hodkinson, if Hodkinson Hodkinson, Hodkinson comes in and plays. To the level that he did at Manly two years ago, they are they are going to be very very hard to beat. Well, they're easily going to be above what they were with Chris Keane. And you have Reynolds at six, Ennis at nine, Barber at one. I think for me that's the best combination. I think you'll find that Hasler will start off with Keating. Obviously, he got him to the grand final last year. Um, whether he can hold his spot for the whole year is, Don't is think another so. thing. Um, but you know, um, Des has got his opinions. That, that's just ours, um, and he's he's got his. Uh, Finger on the pulse, so um, he knows what he's doing. Well, fair enough. There's two teams we've got down so far, and as the ladders look from both our point of views, we've both got the Bulldogs at number one, and we've both got the Broncos at 10th. So moving on to our third team, the Canberra Raiders are next up to be reviewed. Now we jump on to the Canberra Raiders, uh, a bit of a soft spot for the old Lime Greens myself. Uh, I think last year, no surprises, a bit of the same old, same old that we all expect, touted as potentials to make the top eight or hang around the top four with all these outstanding young players from the NYC that they keep producing and that monster forward pack, as well as Cam Pesey's comeback. But obviously we've seen Cam Pesey go down again, I think the presence of no hooker whatsoever, uh, a forward pack that wasn't dominant once again, and a backline that was so hot and cold. Um, they obviously got on a run. Biggest thing coming into this year, there's a lot of people off contract, a lot of which being those younger players that are going to be demanding some upgrades. So, unfortunately, I think the time's now and never, and I really don't think it's going to go to plan. I, I agree. Um, they seem to be a team that plays their finals footy a month early. They put themselves in rubbish positions um, where they have to you know, fly home and win five of six, seven of eight, um, get in there and, and, and they're just happy to make the finals. Um, I don't know how many times they've done that in the last four or five years, um, even when they've been predicted to finish at the bottom, predicted to finish in the eight. Um, when you look at their roster, a lot's going to hedge on Terry Campisi. Is he fit? Um, can he stay injury-free? If he does get back up, back on the park, um, they've got a very young roster. Um, question mark on the coach, I guess. Um, interesting relationship with, um, obviously, his brother being the CEO. Well, it's not exactly an ideal position to be in. How would you feel if you were coaching the Titans and I was your boss? Mm. It's not exactly a, a something you want to go home and eat dinner over, is it? No, they're, they're also at the centre of um, some drug allegations with this... Um, ACC report, so um, we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, but you know, I've, I've got 
them down as one of the strongest forward packs in the comp, potentially. Um, good nine. I, I like Matt McCurry. Um I've liked him for three or four years, watching him come through the 20s there. Um, I think if they can uh, give him the time that he deserves, I, I think he'll be, he'll be good for them. Lars has, has got to produce for the cash he's on. Shillington had a quiet season last year. They, they need him to fire. Sam Williams, I think he um, is one of the best young halfbacks in the competition. I was crying for the Titans to, to throw some cash at him and get him up to the, the Gold Coast. I thought he could have been massive for us. Um, but it, as it is, he stays down in Canberra. Um, I think he's, he's going to come on again this year. Um, but again, I think it all hedges on Terry Campese. If, if he can get back to um, 75% of, of Campo of two years ago, um, I think Canberra will be right up in there uh, in the lower end of the eight. Um, if he's not, I think they'll be down the bottom. And that's well, where I've got him. I've got him 15th. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to death ride the Campese train. I, I was a big fan, obviously, when he had his M year, and then he obviously slowed down a little bit and got on a hot run when they made the finals back in 2010. But two ACL injuries, heading towards your 30s, uh, the hip problem that's just been one after the other after the other, uh, money supposedly on the old cap around the half a million dollar mark over four years. I think there's just too much money. It's in, a lot of cash to invest in. on someone that has played, you know, a handful of games in the last mm. two or three years. Well, as far, as far as I know, this year is the last year of that half a million dollar contract on the old salary cap. Yeah, so uh, I think you've seen enough out of Sam Williams in the back end of last year running into the finals and especially in the finals to show that he's finally realised that he's a first grader. Uh, McIlrick, I'm pretty much of the same opinion. They've obviously pushed Travis Waddell out the door. He's now training with Newcastle. And uh, Glenn Buttress, I think he's a bit of a grinder and he tries his hardest, but I definitely don't think he's an NRL 9. I, I maybe see Buttress still starting for the first half of the year if he's injury-free, but I'm, from what I believe at the moment, see, he's for injured. Me, for me, that's that's where they go wrong. Because yeah, nine. Your, nine is, your 9 is... Um, you know, well, it's the state of the team. He's the new seven. Hmm. They need someone more creative out of there. It seems to me that Ferner loves guys that can tackle. He picks nines just to tie up the middle of the field in defence, which is which is good. I can understand that. Um, but obviously, when you're missing Campisi, Dugan hasn't been playing his best. He's hot and cold. They lack that attacking spark around the middle of the field, especially when they've got such a big four pack that goes forward. Like when Waddell is in there. Um, I think he, he does make an impact, but he's not an 80-minute player. Mm. I think McCurick could be groomed into something of a 60-minute player, and if they would have kept Waddell, he would have been a perfect complement off the bench, but um, that's not to not to be. Mm. I kind of flip back to what you were saying before, though, about relying on too much tackling, even in the forward pack. You, you see the year Bronson Harrison turns up and all of a sudden they have a breakout season and he leads the league in offloads. They didn't have that dimension in their pack, and... Harrison obviously went cold as soon as he got big money and got settled on a decent contract. We, we don't know what happened there, but he's mm. back at the Dragons now having to prove himself. But I think they go back to exactly how they were before. They've got too many of the same kind of forward. You've got Tills, Shillington. The, the, these blokes are just these big beating poles. Like they, Lars, and they've been Nichols, found out. Well, yeah, we'll see. Nichols is much the same mould. He's White. a grinder and he, he works hard. But Edwards, Edwards is a more renowned defender, a deadly edge defender, but he's not a great ball runner. Papali does have the ability, but that's purely, I think, due to size. He's not really a great line runner or anything. 
at this point in time and Sean Fenson in the same mould. He, he tries really hard, but uh, just about all around there. You mentioned every one of those names. There's a lot of defence there. There's not too much potency in attack. Yeah, my question on them is, are they going to be able to score enough points? It's an offensive league. Um, and for me, uh, if, if Terry Campese isn't in, um, I, you know, I don't have them anywhere near the top. I've got them 15th. Um, for me, there's not enough gains, losses. I mean, they've bought in Joel Edwards, Jake Foster. Okay, nothing to get excited about really there. Um, both good players. Uh, they've lost Cheekham, Drury Lowe, Ioni Harrison. Um, the only really notable one there is Bronson Harrison. He's gone to the Dragons, but he hadn't really been performing up near his best. So I guess you get one good back row gone, two good back rowers coming in, but very similar players, so... Um, they, get, they, they are going to rely on these young kids coming through. Um, mm. and, and if you know a couple of them can fire, Dugan has a breakout year, Campies can get back, I, I can see them making the eight, but I find it highly unlikely. Well, I, I jump on the flip of what I said before. At the same time, why I say that forward pack doesn't offer too much to the attacking side of things as far as uh, offloads and, and line breaks are concerned, if they do get more consistent like they were in 2010 as far as eating up the metres. I do think they have one of the hottest young back lines, but my thing is I, I just look at the forward pack and it's the same thing. It's gradually kind of faded over the last couple of years and I don't think they're going to be able to get the roll on that they're after to be able to supply the likes of Blake Ferguson, Travis, Travis Robinson, who I think is an outstanding player and should be getting more opportunities. Uh, well, who makes you crap your pants? When you look at the team sheet, you know, it's an hour before the game, and you're a coach and you're about to you know, sit down with your team and do a little bit of a, a preview of what to expect, go over game plans, who, who makes you crap your pants out of the Canberra side? I mean, their forward pack probably does. Mm. Um, Josh Dugan does, but, I mean, if he doesn't get the service, that obviously makes things difficult for him. I, I mean, it's only really for me um, is obviously Sam Williams. Um, if if they go forward and he gets good service, he's, a, he's an excellent ball player and he's a running threat. Um, and Campisi, otherwise, I just I'm not scared of that. Nothing on their roster, nothing on their team sheet is really going to scare me. It's pretty predictable, let's put it that way. And uh, on the flip side of that, again, I, I, I step back to what I said before. I think Campisi, it's pretty much time for them to sever ties with. Williams there, I think McCrone will become more of a staple in the halves. That's one we haven't mentioned. We haven't mentioned yeah, Josh McCrone. Exactly. He, he was good last year. But I had him in fantasy. He was, he, was, he was good for me. And you've also got the two young blokes in Mitchell Cornish, who's played some junior reps. And I like him. And, and then you've good. got Anthony Milford, who I think is absolutely he's outstanding. So, the, yeah, he, he, he's beating up on people in the 20s, and he played in 30 minutes or so on that storm trial the other week and supposedly went quite well. You're talking well, about you know, a bloke. You know my opinion on the 20s. I think... You know, it takes those guys probably two years to come good. And I, you know, I look at the Raiders and I think you've got a really good young roster, but I just think maybe it's a year or two before that that all comes to fruition. But it seems like we've been saying that about the Raiders for the last four or five years. Mm. Young squad, when are they going to come? That's what I mentioned at the start, though. Eventually, there is a lot of players off contract this year, though. So that they're not going to be able to hold on to everything. I think. Well, I'd clear out the deadwood and I'd keep the young kids. Yeah, well, I think there's been talk that Leroy Lars will be not offered a contract and he's on some pretty significant money. And I obviously stand by what I said before about Campisi. I think you've got to rely on McCrone to kind of take up that role with Williams. And then I think you've got to groom Milford and Cornish. Um, I see Cornish similar to Sam Williams, but I see Milford a breakout player somewhere in the future. A kid of only 78 kilos. Even if it was the under-20s playing against 
110 kilo forwards and backs that are 95 to 100 kilos. When he played in the centres, he looked outstanding, and then when he went to six, he looked even better. And yeah, he's got ability. To me, I, I think yeah. you were there with me on grand final day. I think we thought he was the only one who had a decent game for Canberra, mm. and he definitely has the right attitude. Question for so. you: mm. Where do they need to finish for Dave Ferner to keep his job? And 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 look, well, a cut from a coach. I um, think without a coach, I you know I thought last year he got hammered the whole year. He even got hammered when they lost the semi final, um, and they finished six. Mm. They ended up finishing sixth, so um, it just seemed like a really poisoned chalice down there for him, and it has done for the last, or has been for the last two or three years. So, where do they need to finish for him to keep his job? Well, answering that question, to be honest, I think the expectations are going to be too high again, and it seems that way since 2010. They're really set but on, that, that, on them being the top back, four. So that expectation goes back to Terry Campisi. When it Terry does. Campisi was fit, they were. But that also good. goes on to all those under 20s um, kids that everyone I think keeps talking I mean, about. You know, you know, I don't know about Dave Ferner. I, I, I don't know many people that know him. I don't have a lot of inside word from Canberra, but it just seems to me like he's been just cursed by this Terry Campisi um, injury and, and last couple of years that just haven't gone right, and that's really affected mm. Dave Ferner's job security down there. Well, that's a factor, but at the same time... I, I, mean, I think, I think for me, he has to finish... He's got to finish in the eight. If they finish outside the eight, he won't have a job at the end of the year. Well, that's the thing, though. They keep dragging their way into the eight, and that seems to be good enough. I, I think the pressure's coming from everywhere because they do have so many of these young players that they've picked up, like Ferguson and Dugan and Fensum, who's probably on the border of origin. They've got Papali now coming in. They do have a gun forward pack. They do have those young backs. You've got a couple of those halves backed up. I just think the expectation's probably too high, and if this season is anything less... And, you know, the eight and a safe spot in the eight, I think that he will be sending his way out the door. So, Well, who do you bring in? Who do you bring in at the moment? There's not that's so much... That, that's my question. That's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, they always Who's talk about around? sacking Werner. I mean, last year they were going to get Ricky Stewart in. Um, yeah, well, obviously that back forward. You know, I, I don't know about Ricky Stewart either, but um, for me, I, yeah, I'd be sticking sticking with Dave Werner. I think he's, he's done a pretty good job... Um, at the Raiders and he's brought all these young kids through um, I'd hate to see him get the flick and then someone else um, you know reap what he's sowed I guess I agree with you there but at the same time I'm kind of the opinion I think it's poison unless he finishes safely in the eight but at the same time I'm with you on the flip side of it like who, who's there to get out in the coaching ranks if Nathan Tim Brown was, well Tim Sheens is one Nathan Brown was spoke of coming back from England I, I don't really see that coming to fruition, and obviously the only other one we can talk about is everybody's favourite, Brian Smith, who's floated around to a few clubs. Seems to have a good run for the first two years, and then it all goes pear-shaped. So I think the best I think a lot of clubs are just gung-ho to suck their coach before they even think about who's out there. Is is he the right fit for the players we've got? Philosophies are, you know, I just think... Well, that's, that's just Fern, the world these really days, well. isn't it? That's the world these days. The technology generation, it just seems to be a go, 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 bang, bang, bang. We go, want go, things go. now. So uh, wrap, trying to wrap things up on that subject, your, your final thoughts on the Raiders, where they'll finish and why? Um, I've got them at 15th. Um, you know, a hard one. Again, I, you've got to put them somewhere. For me, it's just their potency in attack. I don't think they're going to have enough points in them. I think, though, if they can get back to that um, you know, Fortress Canberra get back to winning the majority of their home games. 
um, they're going to be right up there. But last year they had a terrible home record. I think even the Titans went down there and flogged them down in Canberra last year. And every time we've gone to Canberra in the past, we have got gone out of there with a 40-point drubbing. So um, they've got to fix that up, definitely. And hopefully Campese can get on the field for them um, and give them some spark and attack and, and get on the back of that forward pack, along with Sam Williams and, and Josh Dugan. Well, I'd like to think that uh, Cam Pesey proves me wrong because I was a massive believer and a very big fan a couple of years ago, but I just think for now, the money that he's on, that it can be better invested. Well, is he going to be 100% Terry Cam Pesey well, 2007 I don't, I don't 2010? So. I don't think so. Yeah. So my final prediction, I've got them at eighth. Uh, I just think every don't year... Don't sneak in again. Every year they just seem to find their way in. Uh, they do have a pattern, though, of in and out, in and out the last couple of years. So that, yeah. they, out, they yeah. could absolutely flop and drop again, but I, I don't think that... 220 the odds you get on that. 220. I, I just think... Dugan has to have a good year. I don't think he'll have another bad year. You've got Ferguson, Travis Robertson well, has now a great payday too, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he's, got got his, his he's going to get his payday. Now he's he's got to he's got to earn it. Yeah, he's well, got to prove. Shandarrell's got a secured contract, and he looked good last year with Ferguson. I think Travis Robertson had a breakout year. For me, it's McCrone's going to be the stability, and if Campese is not ready to go, it's Williams. McCurick at nine. They got a big forward pack. I, I think there's still enough there to sneak into the eight, and I think they will, but. I just really, really hope that if they get to their full potential and do what they should have done the last couple of years and what everyone keeps talking about, that they'd be closer to the top four. But uh, for me, it's eighth. So, so far, just recapping, I've got the Bulldogs first, the Broncos tenth, the Raiders eighth, and Brock has obviously got the Bulldogs first, the Broncos tenth, and the Raiders fifteenth. So... Pretty consistent there. Uh, a bit of a difference, obviously, on that one. But the last team we'll be wrapping up on this cast before we move on is the Cronulla Sharks. Obviously, the Cronulla Sharks. So, kicking that off, I think that last year, uh, not so much a surprise, I don't think, with... The back row they had and Todd Carney when things clicked where they finished up, but I still think some people probably were yeah they probably were a bit surprised. So uh, with what's been brought in this year, they're obviously gone on a bit of a buying spree. You've got Michael Gordon, Luke Lewis, Chris Heinington, Bo Ryan that they've brought in some fairly solid players there to go along with the likes of Paul Gallen, Anthony Tupo, Wade Graham, who I think is going to be outstanding long term. And uh, Todd Carney coming off his injury, not a hundred percent sure how right he's going to be to go at the start of the year. But him and Jeff Robson seem to uh, complement each other fairly well with the way they play their football. So, yeah, that's the Sharks. Yeah, my big question on the Sharks would be Todd Carney. Um, if he can come back, play like he did last year, um, you know, push that side around. I thought he was he was a difference between them being, um, you know, uh, a lower-ended um, on the table to up near the pointy end for the majority of last season. I thought their uh, their season fell apart last year in the last four rounds of the regular season when they just couldn't nail that top four spot. Um, and they have to go down to Canberra and um, the rest is history. But um, obviously Paul Gallen, they're, they're saying, whispers out of Cronulla Land is that um, he's going to play less minutes this year. I mean, the guy's coming in. Michael Gordon, they've paid big cash from Michael Gordon. I, I love him, I rate him, he's a yeah, very, very multiple good player. injuries. Double knee reco, um, ankle problems. 
serious injuries. I'd love to see him stay on the, sh- uh, the field for the Sharks, um, but I do have my question marks. Um, Luke Lewis, uh, they've got a lot of good back rowers there already. Um, I see him now. They're very similar to the Titans. They've got a lot of good back rowers. Um, obviously, they've let Jeremy Smith go. They've let Tyson Frizzell go, who I, I think is he's going to be a good player. Yeah, I think that was a big mistake, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're a weird team. You, you sort of look at them um, and you think, well, look at their roster um, and you probably think, you know, middle of the table. But based on where they finished last year, um, did they have an easier draw last year? I, I went through their draw yesterday and I... I seem to think that they got teams at the right time. Um, so whether or not that'll change this year, their, their strength of schedule may have an impact on where they finish. I think for them to be a chance to win the comp, they've got to finish top four. I don't have them finishing in my top four. That's fair enough. I think something that kind of confuses me is the same thing I kind of said to you before about the Titans. I, I don't know you can invest so heavily in back rows. I know they say you can never have too many good back rows, but... You know, you, you've got Paul Gallen, you've got Fafida and Bryce Gibbs are going to start in the front row, so the whispers about him moving into that role, obviously not true. And getting older, I don't think that would have been a smart idea anyway, pushing him in that role and burning him out anymore when he's already playing 80 minutes every week and when he moves in that origin arena, he's already taken that role up. But um, him, Wade Graham, Chris Hynington, Luke Lewis, Anthony Tupo, there's just so many there already. Sam you know? Tagatizi. Yeah, well, Tagatizi. Paul Gallen. Yeah. Jason Bakuya. Well, Bakuya's another one. Who, Tyrone Peachy. He fell off the bandwagon last year, only really due to injury problems that he had at the back end of the year. But at the start of the year, he was a staple of that back row. Yeah. So My big question on them, um, apart from obviously Carney's fitness, is their nine. Um, well, I actually quite like Isaac DeGuise. I do. Well, just they can't find a stable nine. I mean, and they've got um, Johnny Morris on the bench. Well, I think um, his place is in trouble from the young bloke, Michael Leach, who's uh, not, your, not your normal nine. He's a, he's a pretty large nine, and he's quite mobile, so I kind of see John Morris maybe becoming a bit of a non-factor and that Leach, the young player, being a bit more of an impact player during the year. But as far as nines are concerned across the NRL, I don't really think there's that many nines that even reach the standard of Smith and Farrell. Yeah, I... For me, to be an elite team, they nine is a spot that they've got to improve. Well, I've got to tap into the other side of things. And centre, I, I think. Yeah, well, that was where I was about to go to. Ben Pomeroy, Stuart Flanagan, come out and said he's got the left centre spot booked, but they're not too sure about the right. So if Ben Pomeroy is his number one, uh, you know, a fairly inconsistent player, can be quite good on the day, can put on a bit but of is a... But is he an elite centre? No, no, he's not. He's he, not he can put on a pizza haven and drop somebody and... Occasionally goes on a bit of a rampage and a run, but if, well, he, if he's, he's your top right centre, he's a very tidy centre. He's a tidy centre, but if tidy. he's your number one choice, but is he is he going to is he going to beat someone and score you a try? No, and, he's, you know, not. he's, he's not. On top of that, I look at Nathan Gardner, who's been forgotten about, and I thought was an outstanding live wire the previous year before the ACL. You buy Gordon, where's Gardner go? See, I'd throw Gordon in the centres and I'd play and Gardner at fullback, but exactly. I'm thinking. The reasons why Michael Gordon has gone to Cronulla is because he, he wanted to play, play fullback, fullback at Penrith, yeah. um, and obviously they've said to him, "Come here and you can play fullback, baby." So well, I'm kind of hoping this doesn't lead to maybe John- Jonathan Wright will probably be one of the other centres, and I don't really rate Jonathan Wright, but no, me um, neither. But I, there are whispers even Bo Ryan to play in the centres. Yeah, um, I, I think though from looking at their lack of depth in the backs, 
and uh, young Stuart Mills, I kind of like the look of at the centres, but he's very injury prone, so I don't really see him getting his look. But if I had to look at it now, I think they've only really got five NRL quality backs, and you've just would you play Gardner on a wing? Well, that's what I was about to say. To me, Gardner has to go on a wing. He has to be there but somewhere. For me, I, he has if to I'm be. Playing, if I'm playing the Sharks and Nathan Gardner's on a wing, I'm bombing the hell out of him. Yeah, and, well, and you, I'm, you can and say I'm that. But my big guys up they've already done that in the fullback position, and he's, he's proved. Yeah, that he fullback's can. different. I think if you can get him one on one in the line where he has to come forward and, and catch the ball in a contest, um, I think he'll get found out. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, if you ask me right now, what's their back line? I'd have to put Gordon there purely on what you said. He he wouldn't be my fullback. I'd be using him in the centres, but for. The reasons of him signing, I'd see Gordon being the fullback. I'd see Bo Ryan and Nathan Gardner on the wings and Pomeroy and Wright would be the centre. So that, that's my biggest worry right there. Obviously, County's health Where does Blake Graham play? Oh, well, that's another side of things. I, can't, I th- kind of think the, the Heinington signing was a bit of overkill. I thought that Wade Graham deserved to be a starting forward this year. But I think so do you a, think he's going to come off the bench? I think he's going to come off the bench purely with the way they've bought. Uh, I think that they'll... Stick with Fafita and Gibbs in the front row with DeGoyce. I don't have a problem with that as long as Graham and Hornington share time. Yeah, he has to get the They minutes. get 40 each. I'm happy with that. He's a much better all-round player, and I think, all-round than Hornington. Hornington, don't get me wrong, he tries hard, he tackles, he runs, and occasionally gets the offloads, but I don't think he doesn't have the, the, the youth in his boots, so to speak, of Wade Graham. Wade Graham, last year, finally realised uh, how big of a body and how skillful he was. I, I think he was... Awesome when he was playing tight, he really dished it out in defence and had some super aggression. But at the same time, when he played on an edge, he showed that class of him being a, a junior five eight. He set up some tries, he scored some tries, and I think that moving there was probably the best thing that ever happened to him to be around players like Jeremy Smith and Paul Gallen, and that they've helped him unleash the beast. Yeah, um, I don't know. They're just one of those teams. I think they'll be in the eight. Um, not sort of sure where they'll land. I think they'll land in the bottom of the eight. Um, I've got them at fifth. I'm very tempted to even push them down to seven or eight, seventh or eighth. Um, if anything happens to to Gallen, to Lewis, to Gordon, to Carney, um, they're going to be outside the eight. Definitely, definitely. Um, depth is obviously an issue for them. Um, their twenties not traditionally strong, so um, that's going to affect them. Um, Shane Flanagan, I mean, this is a big year for him now. He's, he's got that roster. He's, I know for the last two years he's sort of um, banged that drum, you know, we need to be a club that um, is self-sufficient. They're now self-sufficient. They've um, they've got their finances in order. They've been able to go out and be proactive, buy some players. He's got no excuses now. He needs to come up with some results. Um, and I think it'll be very different for the Sharks to go from being the team that hunts now they're going to be the team that's hunted. So the, the mindset's going to change a little bit for them. But obviously, they're very similar to Canberra in that teams that go there find it hard to win. Um, I went and watched the Titans play um, at Shark Park last year. Very hard place to win. Um, so I guess that's going to put them in good stead. Um, so I've, I've got them finishing. I, I'm going to say fifth, but they could land anywhere in that lower order of the eight. Um, and if they have any injury problems with their, you know, their key guys, I see them finishing outside the eight. Yeah, well, finishing up on that as well with the Sharks. I've got the Sharks at sixth. Uh, I think you can't have a forward pack stack like that and not find yourself somewhere in the top eight. But I, I bang the same drum that I did last year, and it was the exact same case. Gun forward pack, 
finally found some solidarity in the halves with Carney and Robson balancing each other out. But I just look at the back line again and say there's not enough points and that's the reason I see them in the eight. They play that dirty, grinding style of football where they'll drag you down to their game. So they're going to get 12 wins. Yep, they'll get 12 wins, but like I said, they're going to do it the same way they did it last year. And 12 wins will be enough to get you in. Yeah, so. but they're not going to have many blight victories. They're going to do it the exact same way they did. They're going to do it to their forward pack. But when it comes to finals time and they play one of the more potent sides, I see the same thing happening again. Points being an issue? Points are going to be an issue. Depth's an issue in the back line. And uh, I, I, still I think s- nine's an issue. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, I, I still I still think the Goose is good on his day, but yeah, he's not one of the the, the other the one. Nines. I'm going to throw this one at you. If if I'm if I'm coaching the Sharks this year, Jeff Robson is in my side. Jeff Robson, Chad Townsend. Yeah, he's my seven. Carney's my six. Just because I think they've got to take that step up. And and I was the I was the biggest um, get Jeff Robson. Um, in man at the start of last year when they were struggling in the halves. Yeah, well, he definitely um, some he stability. Just, yeah, but I, I wanted him in for the sake that I thought that he could get them to their potential, and I thought their potential probably was the lower end of the eight. I didn't think it was to be an elite team. Mm. Now, I think to be an elite team, similar question to that of Chris Keating at the Bulldogs, to be an elite team, is Jeff Robson going to win your competition? No, no he's not. He's not. I, Carney, yes. They've got all the pieces around. They've got the forward pack. I just think, for me, nine and seven are the issues. I would definitely put Chad Townsend in. He won the Sharks that game that I was talking to you about against yeah, the Gold Coast last Coast. year. And it was sensational. 15 rounds out of the NRL, you know. Yeah, and he came in and it just looked like he'd never left. Um, the year before that, he was also quite good in his appearance. My, my issue with the nine, and I, I don't want to harp on about it, my issues with the nine aren't their effort, their defence. I just think they lack a little bit of ball playing out of nine. Um, yeah, but Degoyce definitely seems to be uh, he's, a, he's a, a, run or pass a defensive man. nine, and yeah, I'm not flip side of that. Man. When he's getting out of dummy half, pretty much just tackle him because you know what he's going to do. Yeah, and Johnny Morris is just a, he's got a brilliant pass, both sides, gives good service while they give Degoyce a break, and he, he's pretty solid in D. The other thing with Johnny Morris is he he's played everywhere. When he first came in the NRL at uh, Newcastle, he played from the wing to Halfback to five eight to centre to wherever, so he adds that bit of um, utility value to the Sharks bench as well, I guess. Definitely, definitely. Well, there it is. Brock's got the Sharks at fifth. I've got the Sharks at sixth. So recapping, like we said before, both of us had the Bulldogs at number one, so that's a match. I've got the Sharks at sixth. He's got them at fifth. We've got the Raiders. I've got them at 8th. Brock has them at 15th, so obviously a bit of difference of opinion there. And the Broncos we both had at 10th, but at, at the same time, obviously, our opinions were, were quite the same there. If things go right, they could be up near the top end. If things don't go right, they could be near the bottom end. So. One thing we failed to mention on the Sharks is they're also one of these teams that are um, in and around this drug scandal. So, mm. um, you know... Hold your hats for that one. I, I, you know, if there's players implicated in that that get bans, that's totally going to change um, our opinions on where they finish. Yeah, well, that's the big thing, I suppose. While we didn't want to run through all 16 teams straight away when we're four weeks out from the comp, we're, as we said at the start, we're not not going to speculate, nor do we have the information to uh, make any calls yet. But I, I think once we figure out what's going on with this supposed. Uh, investigation of the six clubs or that then we'll be able to make a bit of a better judgment. Well, I'll, make, I'll make sort of a prediction. I think out of the Cowboys, Sharks, Panthers, Raiders, Manly and Knights, 
and obviously they're the teams implicated, named in the report. I think one of those teams is going to lose a big player. I think somebody's going to be affected. To this. I mean, they, they can't come out and have that sort of press conference, have that sort of hoo-ha, and fire no bullets. Um, so, you know, whoever it is, um, or whether it's multiple, that's going to have la- a very large impact on their season, where they finish. Mm, I definitely agree with you there. It could also have Im- implications to to origin, to all sorts of things. So, um, hopefully the Queenslanders, anyway. Mm. Well, that, that's a fair point. Most Blues fans haven't had too much to smile about in recent years. As long as it's none of the Melbourne boys, and they obviously were indicated in this, so I'm pretty, it's all pretty happy about it. I think everyone would like to see those three. Obviously, our Titans haven't been mentioned, even though there was a bit of a scare with the supposed oh. vials of urine that turned out to be jam jars. It was or, a jam jar. I'll tell you what I was actually hoping. I was really hoping that on Fox I think, Sports... You know what? I think Dave Taylor might have smuggled that up the pond. <laughs> had a little bit of jam on toast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, after training, I, I was pretty disappointed. I'm not going to lie; I was really hoping they'd have a press conference and saying forgiveness to the Titans. We made these batch of scones, and we'd like you to use the gem to coat those scones. But uh, obviously, that didn't come to fruition. But um, wrapping this first podcast up, uh, we've obviously gone through those first four teams, and next week we'll go through four more in the alphabetical order until we go through the sixteen and put together both our tables and compare. Uh, we're obviously giving you a bit of betting value as well. We're going to be going through a bit more of that. And once we get into the year and get into some of the games, we'll be looking at some of the tab value during the week and giving some tips on what we think might be worthwhile having a bit of stab at if your missus is willing to give you a bit of cash to splash. But uh, all in all, I think uh, this is hopefully the start of many podcasts and hopefully the show grows and we get a bit of a following. Yeah, in the, uh, if you want to, guys, if you want to follow us, obviously uh, we've got a hotmail address, fifth and last podcast. That's all one word, um, and it's spelt. There's no numbers in there at hotmail.com. Um, on Twitter, it's fifth and last, so with an N, fifth and last. And on Facebook, um, fifth and last. Uh, you can search the page, find us there, click on it. Um, we'll try and throw some things up. Um, polls, questions, just to get a little bit of conversation going. Any suggestions for what we could add into the podcast or what you'd like to hear us talk about, um, feel free. Um, Yeah, and and get onto iTunes, um, subscribe to us, get your friends involved. We'd like to have a a big following. And on the flip side of that, we're obviously going to be looking to get some people on during the year. Uh, Mark Guy, the Wild Panther himself, is somebody who we're going to be having involved with the show and he's going to be giving us some opinion and feedback on his thoughts in all the going-ons and news within Rugby League. So that's the podcast for this week. Hit us up on the email, fifth and last podcast at hotmail.com, on the Twitter page, fifth and last, which is an N in between that, all spelled out, and hit us on our Facebook page, the fifth and last podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yep, we're going to hit this up on the iTunes straight away. There'll be one every week. We're looking at a Wednesday upload so you can get it midweek as close as possible to the games, but also after all the information and news has been released. So hopefully we can uh, keep you guys updated and informed on all things rugby league. So that's all from me, Lewis, and Brock this week from our first podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.